Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm your host, Luke Martin, and my day job is as CEO of the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania, TICT, the peak industry body for tourism in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you're a first-time listener to Talking Tourism, welcome. If you're a regular listener, you'll know every fortnight through the COVID-19 crisis, we're releasing a series of episodes featuring conversations with key tourism leaders, tourism gurus and operators on the latest developments and hot-button issues for Tasmanian tourism and hospitality operators as we work through these difficult times and onto our recovery. These episodes are being supported by the Tasmanian Government as part of the communication strategy to keep industry engaged and informed about the varying developing stages of the crisis, and we appreciate that support. Today's episode is also being produced by Caleb Miller at Mac40 Media. Every fortnight, as part of our series of episodes we're releasing, we're checking in with a couple of tourism operators and industry leaders to talk through their own experience of going through COVID-19 and how they're planning for their recovery and, and some of their own experience from their part of the uh, part of the state and part of the industry. Today, I'm having two conversations with my two deputy chairs at TRCT, who each represent very different perspectives and very different parts of the state across each part of the state. Clint Walker in Stanley and Catherine McCann in Hobart. Clint's uh, joining me first. Um, Clint is the operator of Stanley Seaview Inn, Horizon Deluxe Apartments and Bernie Apartments. He's a long-time well-known industry leader on the northwest coast, uh, but has also carried out senior roles at a local and state level. And of course, obviously, serving as a d- director of TLCT for about a decade and for the last three years as our deputy chair. G'day, Clint. Uh, g'day, mate. How are you going? Good. Thanks for joining me. You're in Burnie today, are you? I'm out, I'm out of Stanley, and I've driven through sunny Burnie and doing a bit of work in Olveston at the moment. Olveston. Sunny Olveston. Sunny Olveston. Well, it is a, your perspective on this is a bit different from probably a lot of our listeners because you are, have lived the Northwest experience. And how's that shaped you personally in terms of... Obviously, uh, there's been talk around the outbreak, obviously, in Burnie, but but also Smithton has been talked about. Is that your lens? You've literally been in lockdown over the last few weeks. Yeah, well, today's uh, absolutely literally the first time I've been out of Stanley in eight weeks, so uh, it was really quite exciting uh, driving down the Bass Highway towards Burnie today. Lots of traffic and people around and and, uh, and the nice blue sea as we're driving along. But, yeah, so it was quite exciting. But, uh, no, we've been... Uh, in our little home for for two months, so it's it's nice to get out. Yeah, it would be. Um, so just your pitch. Uh, I mentioned the properties you run, but a lot of our listeners probably aren't familiar with them. Um, just quickly, your 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 stakes in tourism. You know, they're quite significant along the coast. Yeah. Oh, well, our our main uh, concern is Stanley Seaview Inn. It's a three and a half star, twenty four room motel, essentially. Uh, with a function facility as well. The best view of the nut in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, well, we, we've got an awesome view over Stanley and the nut and the beaches, which, which is, which is really good, and and we like to get a plug in for that whenever we can. But only to be beaten. You say the best view, but only to be beaten by our. Uh, we've got a little boutique luxury business called Horizon Deluxe Apartments, and that's five self-contained, five-star sort of level luxury accommodation. And they're just up on the hill just behind Stanley Seaview Inn and they've got beautiful big windows and, and the view's even better from up there. So, yeah, that's that's really nice. So we have that. Katinka and I, my wife and I, have that 
those two businesses in partnership with my parents. And uh, then in Burnie, just uh, Katinka and myself have Burnie City Apartments. We've got five apartments there, which are oh, a good four-star sort of standard um, self-contained apartments right in the in the middle of Burnie, and, and they go pretty well too. Yeah, they do. All right, that's the plug. I'm um, looking at Horizons up on the uh, website as we were talking to you, and um, yeah, you can concur. It's just, um, the best view of the nut uh, you could possibly yeah. hope for. So how are we going before March 20 when the borders shut down? Have a good summer? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, we were tracking along to, it looked like we were probably going to be up about 7% for the uh, financial year um, up until the 21st of March when our world got turned upside down. Um, and then, well, who knows what it's, it's just a mess now, isn't it? So who knows what the what the year's going to actually end up being. But, um, but no, we're on track, which is particularly disappointing being that uh, in recent years, um, up in the far northwest, up in Stanley and Circular Head area, um, we've been struggling to, to maintain our market share as of the Tasmanian visitor market as, as numbers have been growing to the state uh, um, rather steadily over recent years. We've been struggling to, to have our share of, of that growth up our way and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very involved with the Circular Head Tourism Association and we've, we've done some really good work we think in in the last year or so in rebranding and devising a marketing strategy with the help of um Kat McCann who you're going to talk to in a minute and um and David Inches as well and and we had it all lined up ready to roll out uh going into this autumn that we're currently in and we actually started the uh the uh, autumn campaign and then had to pull the pin on it two days in uh when uh when it all got stopped, when visitation got stopped, yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, we were we were looking like we we're probably going to have the best autumn we would have ever had as well, which would have given us a good year, but no more. It's got to be pretty devastating. Like you just ran through your investments that your family have. You're a genuine, um, you know, family-run business in every stretch, and you've also, you know, done, I know, following your story, Horizons has a big been a big undertaking to add that product and and then to Bernie. From a personal mm-hmm. level, I mean, to have that world turned upside down, it's been mm-hmm. tough emotionally, financially. I mean, how, uh, have you, yeah. how have you gone through? Yeah, well, look, um, emotionally, yeah, in that, that first week after the, the 21st of March, and the, that was, I think that was a Sunday, and so then uh, the, until that month, the, the Friday afternoon following that, that was, I think that must have been the worst week in, in business that we've ever had. Um, and that would include the time that we had to close down our tour business. But, um, yeah, that was just a week of solid cancellations and processing cancellations as quickly as we could and, and wiping, um, wiping every bit of business that we had on our books off the books. And so, um, there were, there were stages through that week that were pretty gut wrenching. And, and by the time we got to five o'clock on that Friday, uh, Tinker and I, we were just, we were gobsmacked. We were, it's like we'd been, you know, slapped around the face and kicked up the butt and, and we just, we were mesmerised on that Friday afternoon and um, a couple of beers tasted pretty good that evening yeah. and, and, and that was probably the low point. Um, uh, we spent probably a week or two sort of um, bewildered still and thinking, right, well, God, what's going to happen to the world now and, and sort of uh, rechecking our where we're at with our finances and all of that and working out how long we've got 
to survive, how, how much money we've got in the bank and how long that'll enable us to survive. Um, so after about a week or so of, of that sort of mindset, uh, was we'd sort of become sort of comfortable that, all right, well, our businesses have been completely trashed, our industry's out the window, and we've really got no idea how long this is going to last and how deep it's going to be. So we just sort of bunkered down a little bit. But that only sort of lasted a week until we sort of got a bit more of a, an understanding of, of the virus and, and also the governments, the state and federal government started um, uh, making us aware of, of the measures that they were going to take. And well, I can't tell you how good it felt when I when I heard, it was the following Friday when I found out that um, that the banks, the bank loans yeah. were going to be um, eased or deferred, payments were going to be deferred. Oh, uh, yeah. That felt so good when we heard that news, that's for sure. So between the bank loans and the JobKeeper uh, program, uh, they are the two uh, real significant um, helping hands for our business, that's for sure, and I guess for a lot of businesses. Um, and and that, just between those two programs, it's sort of making it okay for us. We're Our, our workforce are, are all casual uh, with the exception of three full-timers, um, and so uh, they're all on JobKeeper. And so thankfully we've just been able to scale back and, and, and we might get through this okay, notwithstanding the, the, the fact that you know, we've been, been running our business in Stanley for 19 years now, and in that time have been putting in a massive effort not only to grow our own businesses but uh, into trying to grow the local industry and the regional industry and the state industry through the different forums that I'm involved in. And for me, um, it's just so disappointing that our for, that we've put in so much work yeah. to grow and it's just now all gone. And it's going to be fascinating to see where we're at in six and 12 months' time. Are our visitor numbers going to be back to what they were before uh, Virgin came along, or, or are they going to be back to before we got two spirits of Tasmania? And, and then from then, how quickly are we then going to be able to grow the visitation back up again? It's going to be a challenge. It certainly will, and, and it's the unknown, as to say. I mean, even today, um, the, you know, again, reading some of them online, frustrated hearing these mixed messages around border restrictions. We just, you know, say, um, you know, we, we're on this kind of, process of working through the issues, um, the, the unknown of when, you, I mean, from your perspective, when can you, you can expect uh, interstate visitors to start returning and start hopefully yeah, growing yeah. or weaning off some of that government support and, and obviously, mm. uh, you know, what is that going to look like for the next, you know, potentially 12 to 18 months? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. The other thing I'm conscious of is by default you're a leader, but also you're in a town that is as close to a tourism-centric town as you'd find anywhere in Tasmania. And Stanley, I think, what is it, five restaurants in a town of... 500 people yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, 450 people, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's got to be devastating. You, you know, clearly walking down the shop, everyone would be wanting to get into your ear about, you know, what you know as a leader and and, and that kind of uh, – you'd be playing a bit of um, agony aunt as well as worrying about your own, um, you know, personal business interests as well, wouldn't you? Everyone yeah, well, yeah, look, I take your point, but our, our beautiful little town has been an absolute ghost town for, for two months. Um go for a walk along the beach, you'll cross paths with a couple of people, or maybe go for a, take a walk along the uh, foreshore, you'll come across a couple of people, but quite literally, not a car in the main street, and so on the contrary, I can go for a walk and people aren't, aren't quizzing me about what's going on, so I haven't been seeing anybody, so um, but 
but you're right. Our town is is uh, heavily reliant on tourism and and then fishing, of course, um, and. And yeah, it's devastating. There's a couple of businesses that I know of that have been have closed down for good, which is you know terrible, of course. How much do you think the town or the region or the destination is going to buy into this intrastate push? Uh, well, look, I'm quite optimistic with the intrastate push. Um, I think uh, you know we've only got 450 people in our town. That means we've got the, the rest of the whole population of Tasmania are a, a potential market for us. So, in particular, Launceston and Hobart, where you know we've got 90 percent of the population of Tasmania. So, uh, traditionally, Launceston area has been a good market for us anyway. Um, so, I'm I'm sort of optimistic that people of all shapes and sizes, all demographics. Uh, could possibly be interested in coming for a night or two or three um, away to Stanley. It's about as far away as most people in Launceston or Hobart are able to get for the foreseeable future. Um, so, and being that we are so small, I think that 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 uh, that market will have the the possibility to have a a, a notable positive impact on our little micro economy that we've got there unlike say you know my, my colleagues in in hobart and launceston yeah. who probably aren't as excited by it being that there's a lot more hotels and a lot more restaurants and things in hobart and launceston and so the the impact of the intrastate market would be less for them i would imagine but yeah. no i'm quite optimistic and so we're lining up uh, we at the circular head tourism association and also at, at West by Northwest, our regional tourism organisation, we're getting our skittles lined up, ready uh, for an interstate marketing campaign. Yeah. So that those campaigns will be ready to press the go button whenever the time is right. I think the the best button we can press. The Stanley's a classic. Uh, I went up there 10 years ago. Oh, actually, it was 20 years ago. I haven't been up there for years. Oh, let's, maybe time to check it out. And if we can just tap into that yeah. market of yeah. people who haven't been to the West Coast and Northwest Coast uh, for yeah. years, been meaning to, um, you know, hopefully there's uh, there's enough to do your parochial duty uh, as Tasmanians yeah. and spend a weekend yeah. over the next few months up in these towns. Yeah, and well, you say weekend, are you? There's been talk about oh, it's only going to be a weekend market. Well, we're going to be pushing to have the retirees, yep. uh, the grey nomads who aren't nomading at the moment, to be coming midweek, yep. encouraging them to coming midweek because all the families are going to be there on the weekend. Yep. So I think there's a reasonable opportunity to get some decent trade other than just on the weekend. All right. And going ahead, though, looking at interstate borders, wearing your, I guess, your state hat, you know, what do you think we need to get lined up now for when the uh, the inevitable does happen and we do see that interstate traffic start to return and get that bounce back? What, what do you think are the, the, the critical things we need to get right? Well, in terms of getting the, this is the big unknown. The one thing about if we can get planes flying back into into our airports is one thing, but we, we need to be getting those planes full um, and more and more of them and, and you know, there's a lot more smarter people than me, thankfully, uh, Tourism Tasmania and elsewhere that will develop the strategies on how they're going to attract the market to come to Tassie. So um, hopefully uh, those people have some luck and, and some uh, and utilise their skills and, and do that and, and, and regenerate the demand that was already there and get some conversion and get some people coming down. When people coming down, well, you know, up until our world got turned upside down eight weeks ago, we had issues like managing 
uh, growing crowds at Cradle Mountain and yeah. uh, and at Freysenay National Park, for example. Well, at least one thing out of all of this, we're not going to have that problem in for, <laughs> in the immediate term. So that probably and a good side to that is it gives us a bit more breathing room to get the infrastructure improvements in place in those two hotspots in particular sorted out so that when we do get back to the sorts of visitor number levels that we're at prior to this then hopefully we're better positioned to deliver world-class natural experiences to those visitors where probably Sometimes it was being let down a little bit um, in the past due, yeah. just due, due to the numbers. Also, uh, with the two biggest spirits that will be coming in a couple of years, you know, by the, by the time they come along, hopefully uh, we're well and truly over the COVID-19 thing and, and demand is, is back up to, to the levels that it was. And then we've got two spirits that are 40% bigger. And so hopefully that will then deliver us uh, another injection of growth. And... And part of that growth will be in caravans and camper vans and motorhomes and things. And I think it's a, a, a challenge for the state and for the various councils around the state, local government councils, to get ready in advance for the, all those caravans and camper vans and stuff so that we can cater for them adequately so that those visitors enjoy their trip to Tasmania, but also, importantly, so that Tasmanians aren't inconvenienced or frustrated by... Uh, by masses of caravans and campervans and around in their favourite holiday spots. So, you know, I think we need to we need to keep on with that sort of work. Cradle Mountain Master Plan. I see they've started up at Lake Dove up there yeah. last week. That was great to see. And so the next thing that we need to or we look forward to seeing come to fruition is some movement on the transport solution up there. Um, so that'll be interesting as well. So you probably to go back to your point about filling all the work that's been done over the last few years. I mean, you're right, that whether it's the marketing activity that you're doing in Circular Head uh, or indeed, you know, the work that's been done around re-establishing the RTO in the northwest. Obviously, Tom Wooten um, got a, frankly, you know, got a gun in there ready to go. Um, the new spirits on their way, the work at Cradle Mountain on the west coast at the new walk, the, the, the work we've, you know, essentially the industry's done and different destinations have done over the last few years puts us in good stead for you know, being in a stronger position as you could hope for for when the recovery does start to happen. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And we haven't we haven't mentioned uh, all the work that we've put into um, we as an industry and and government and industry have put into T twenty one or T thirty or whatever mm. we're calling it now. The strategic plan for the industry. Um, what have we have been working on that for probably close to a year, if not more? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that was coming close to uh, being ready for for release when when COVID hit as well. And and so now we, we need to go back and relook at that because uh, uh, 20, the year 2021 and 2022 are unlikely to be how we're expecting them to be when we're working on, on the original strategic plan. But, uh, but nevertheless, that process is continuing on and, and just the, the changes are being taken into account and, and we need to adapt and, and continue to come together as an industry with government and formalise this type of um, smart, long-term strategic planning and, and work towards achieving the goals that get laid out in it. So, you know, it's not boring, is it? No, nah, it's never never a dull moment in tourism either. Even when you feel like there's no visitors actually coming into the state, the industry should be shut down. But there's yeah, a lot of, lot of yeah. work going on and a lot of planning going on. Um, Clint, thanks yeah. for your time. Thanks for your candour. I'm sure a lot of operators, particularly in the northwest and around the regions, would appreciate your insight and your leadership in this space. Um, I will pump, pump your tyres, but for 10 years you've been volunteering your time 
days driving at your own expense down to TRCT board meetings um, to make sure the Northwest and the regions have a strong voice around the table, which it certainly does with you. And um, and again, uh, your, your leadership's appreciated by stakeholders across the state. So that note, thank you, Clint Walker, uh, Deputy Chair of TRCT, Operator of Stanley Seaview Inn, the best in Horizon Deluxe Apartments with the best view of the nut. Um, and uh, and um, thank you for joining us on Talking Tourism. Uh, very nicely, Luke. Thanks very much. All the best. I'm now joined by our second Deputy Chair of TRCT, Catherine McCann. Uh, many of you in the industry would be most familiar with Kath as the former Director of Marketing for Tourism Tasmania and then with uh, her roles with Rest Point and Country Club, the federal group. Kath is now working with Beacon Foundation um, and uh, we'll, we'll explain just quickly what she's her ongoing role of tourism as well. G'day, Kath. G'day, Luke. Thanks for joining me. Um, firstly, for operators that probably don't follow uh, industry gossip, um, you've been Beacon for a few months now and those of us who are not overly familiar with Beacon, what do they do? Yeah, so Beacon Foundation are a not-for-profit based here in Tasmania. We've been in existence for over 30 years uh, and our role and, and the place, I guess, the space that we play a really important role in is bridging, um, if you like, the gap for young people around Australia between career readiness and employment. So we do a lot of work with industry and bring industry into the classroom to try and really assist young people in building their uh, career skills and work readiness skills with the intent, hopefully, to, to go on to employment or further education and training. So slightly uh, not directly related in tourism, but still this ongoing issue about connecting Tasmanians to our industry. It's still very much a tourism um, hospitality mindset that you're probably applying with getting more Tasmanians engaged in work opportunities in our career well, as, a, as, a, as, a, as we recover. So there's still a hat to wear there, isn't there? Oh, there certainly is. And look, um, tourism and hospitality obviously is a, a fantastic career opportunity, certainly one that we bring into the classroom. And we work with a lot of operators, particularly here in Tasmania. Um, to do that. And some, some of the biggest operators in Tasmania are great supporters of Beacon Foundation and, and we're very grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you were obviously previously representing the federal group on TRCT um, and now you are still on TRCT as our deputy chair, but you're wearing a different hat. Do you just want to explain your ongoing, I guess, direct role in the tourism industry? Yeah, so I finished out with federal group in, in December last year after a fantastic six years um, and moved to obviously the Beacon Foundation earlier this year. And um, it was absolutely my intent to stay involved with the industry. And I, I do wear a couple of hats now. I'm, um, I'm really, really pleased to be the representative of Women in Tourism and Hospitality. So um, that's my role on the TICT board. And further to that, I continue to be the, the tourism representative on the Tasmanian Heritage Council. And I've recently been appointed to the Tasmanian Development Board. So wearing multiple hats directly involved in the industry. Um, I guess you're probably a bit perspective like me and a bit different to Clint. Clint was obviously just telling us about his, his experiences as an operator, um, and about you know watching essentially his, uh, his his holdings, his investments, um, really hanging and turned upside down overnight. Guests like me, you've had a bit of an umbrella view over the last few weeks, watching the way these operators have responded to what's been a pretty extraordinary change of fortunes for them. How have you observed the last few weeks? Look, obviously, the the start of this situation and how it escalated so quickly was a, a really a, quite a tumultuous and, and difficult time. And I recall. Um, the first Tourism Industry Council board meeting that we had at the old wool store, really at, at the start of the major decision-making. And it was an extraordinarily confronting experience that day to see um, operators, experienced operators from all over Tasmania. Successful um, operators too, highly successful. Highly, highly successful. To watch the way in which they responded and reacted to what was a situation, an unprecedented situation for, for us here in Tasmania, but also globally. And 
uh, for me, a, a very humbling experience, I think, in terms of really observing and, and the emotional reaction of a number of these individuals and groups who have poured their heart and soul into our into our sector. So I, I, uh, I did have to cast my eyes down a couple a couple of times during that meeting to to kind of hide the tears that were that were welling up. And but in true Tassie tourism fashion, it was no sooner that in we were planning and working towards you know the the revival and and the restoration of this sector that we know is so important for Tasmania and. It was only last week where we had every single director on a Zoom call. I think you might have posted on, on Facebook some great photos. Yeah. And, and there is no doubt that the tone of that discussion has moved so dramatically and yeah. so passionately to the future. And, you know, if you ever want a good reminder as to why you're a part of this industry in this place, um, you know, I've been privileged to be a part of that over the, the last few months. And I'm really, really looking forward with enthusiasm and excitement and passion to see the rebuild of of what is, as I said before, just a, a wonderful industry in Tasmania. It's been those two board meetings. They were they played in my head a bit. This uh, the sheer contrast between you know there's an almost, almost an element of, of just shock that was just playing out for that meeting we had. It was right in the middle of the the absolute worst of the news coming through almost by an hourly basis that day. But the contrast to the last week where everyone was very was positive about the future. They want to rebuild the, build the next golden era of Tasmanian tourism. Was, to me, if that's the leadership of the industry, you'd hope that was the sentiment that's being reflected um, in different pockets around the state with operators who are thinking about the future now rather than um, you know dwelling on things that were beyond our control. Absolutely. And I think there's two observations that, that I'd like to share and, and hopefully they're useful to, to someone who's out there listening. And the first one was that the heartache, uh, that that first board meeting, um, where I observed very different emotional reactions from individuals, and I think that's really normal. And what it was was a really um, clear illustration of how we we all handle change and adversity and and t- turmoil quite differently. But what was really really important about that was the industry coming in around and supporting their own. And I think. That's a, a really good thing for all of us to remember is we are in uncharted waters here and there are going to be good days and there'll be some shockers. Uh, but to make sure that we're in it together and we're looking out for each other, I, I think is is really important. And the second observation I'd share around the board meeting last week was you touched on the fact that, you know, the directors and, and many, many successful, as we said, operators from all over Tasmania were not only looking to the future to, to restore what we had, but to make it even better and I think that is just so critically important around how, how we do look to the future. And to your point, the, the leadership that's being clearly demonstrated by many, many individuals across the sector is is absolutely fantastic to see. One of the, the hardest things to watch for those first at that board meeting, played out at that board meeting, this is pre-JobKeeper being announced and, and also the first couple of weeks was the sheer devastation by, as I say, highly successful business operators who, you know, two weeks prior were basking in glory of awards and various other things, having to shut down their operations and let go of their staff. And I think the commentary that in our industry, tourism hospitality, uh, your staff is an extension of your family in many of these businesses. And one of the most devastating things watching those staff, uh, watching those employers having to make those decisions and, and the, the emotion that they were expressing about having to put so much of their staff off. A lot of our listeners would be going through that themselves and questioning, uh, I guess, when they can start re-employing. And also a lot of our listeners would be people in that situation who have lost their jobs. I guess, what's your perspective? What's the message to those people who are perhaps considering their future in tourism and hospitality, indeed in Tasmania, um, you know, who are perhaps really considering their future about where they're going to 
where, they, where it's going to land for them in the coming months and years? I guess the, the first thing is to know that there's people around um, and, and first and foremost, if, if you do need support in that space, to, to reach out accordingly. I think that's that's really important. From my perspective, I think uh, the, the industry in Tasmania and the industry more broadly is, is a wonderful um, career opportunity and you know we've built something really really special here in Tasmania and let's let's just look at this current situation it certainly is more than a hiccup and and more than a speed bump but it is an opportunity I think to continue to to grow and evolve our industry into the future right at this point in time if you find yourself in a situation whereby you've been stood down or or you may have even been unemployed can I just encourage you to consider to continue to consider this industry as a part of your future. There are many um, opportunities at the moment to really grow and develop your skills. And I know myself, I've had a number of people who've been stood down um, or have unfortunately lost lost their roles who've reached out in a mentoring type fashion to get support and seek guidance around what they should do. And, you know, for people like me, and I know many of the directors around the TICT table, we, we would work on those conversations with, with individuals. And we'd also really, really encourage you to stay, stay committed to our industry. Opportunities will represent. And if you can, you know, really use this opportunity to upskill yourself. We've got some absolutely fantastic initiatives in place. And, you know, obviously the University of Tasmania announcement, the, the partnership last week and, and the response that we've seen to that has been absolutely extraordinary. And I would really, really encourage individuals to, to find ways to upskill, um, you know, stay involved and make sure that you continue to see our industry as a potential part of your future. Yeah, good message. And as I say, we we're plugging an initiative, but we, we, we are offering that Incubator Plus, uh, a, a stream of the Incubator Plus initiative, which is about actually partnering or matching uh, people who are going through a difficult period with their own employment or uncertainty around the future of their career with, with a, an experienced head. I think it's Kath, Kath that's one of your ideas uh, that we're rolling out now. So if you are interested in that and you work with someone in the industry and you, you want to be having those conversations with someone with an experienced head to be able to guide you over the next few months, there is that, that opportunity available and I encourage you to apply for that. But also, you know, you don't have to do it formally. I think that's your message, Kath. If you, if you know there's an experienced head around the industry, reach out to them, don't be shy and try and forge some relationships and make some informed decisions about your immediate future and then ultimately where you might go as a career when the recovery does begin. Absolutely. Turning your head to your demand marketing experience, which is what I mentioned, a former head of Tourism Tasmania marketing and, and also of the federal group. Um, what do you think of the interstate market opportunity? Uh, it's an interesting question and, and for a lot of operators and individuals around Tasmania, I'm sure you're all thinking about that right at this point. So, from my perspective, I guess when you're looking at interstate and you're particularly looking at reopening or, or looking at ramping back up the operation, of course, in accordance with the regulations and, and the rules, the one thing I would really, really encourage everyone out there to do is to seek to understand what that market's all about. So the temptation obviously is there to open up the doors and ramp back up straight away, but any good consumer marketing process would set about first to understand what the market available to you is. So can I can I just encourage everyone out there really to understand from an intrastate perspective the size of the market available to you. So depending on, on what you're doing, obviously you've probably got some requirements or some restrictions around how you might operate, but also what is the propensity and number of customers that you might be able to attract and what might that look like for, for your business. And I think from there is to actually make some sensible decisions around how you might wish to to reopen or re-engage or operate. I would 
I would like to make the point that you don't you don't have to open, you don't have to engage until you're ready. Mm. So really do, my, what I would suggest is really do take the time to understand uh, what's available to you and what it might look like. Because the last thing we want is people to open up with a demand profile that might not be what they expected and to find themselves in a you know, even stickier situation. So take the time. You know, th- there is going to be a build-up in market. And obviously, from the interstate perspective, one would assume that that's probably going to be you know, relatively small to start. Um, we don't know how quickly that is going to build and we want to make sure that we've got our businesses back for the long term. So please, I think I would really encourage everyone to, to really understand what that looks like for you as an organisation. The reality is a lot of businesses we know knew from the sentiment survey were already making those decisions about whether the interest rate was likely to be for them or not. So obviously businesses have already given that some thought prior to knowing now some timeframes, it's probably more a case of, of now knowing those restrictions and what they're going to be eased about actually, as you say, making some really uh, realistic expectations of what's likely to benefit for you. And if if you know, you're not likely to get anything of the July school holidays, for example, then perhaps keep an eye to that interstate reopening and build up to that rather than necessarily trying to rush a new product out or a cheap deal out or something to try and convert if, if you're not there yet. I completely agree. And, you know, as I said, what we want is we want our operators to come back with a really good sustainable model with really clear and realistic expectations uh, that gets us through the winter and gets us back into obviously the, hopefully, what our traditional high season would look like, but most importantly, 2021 and beyond, because that will be where we'll really see the, the future growth of the industry, you know, gain, gain good momentum over the coming period. If you were... In a senior marketing role now, uh, what would be the number one thing you'd be weighing up in terms of looking to those interstate borders? Is it a case of a lot of conversation? Should we be marketing Tasmania now or is it all about airline access or is it all about, you know, cheap deals on the spirit of Tasmania? What what do you think is the number one thing we as a destination need to do to make sure that when the interstate borders in particular are reactivated, that there is a demand profile there to to get a quicker bounce back as we can. We've asked for one. There's, there's probably yeah. a I gave couple. a few examples. Pick, <laughs> pick your top two. <laughs> uh, look, I think access is critical. Um, that kind of goes the goes without saying. Um, aviation and sea. Um, we we need to ensure that we've got you know a good access um, pipeline coming into the market and and hopefully at a good affordable rate. So whatever we can be doing to really partner and work alongside um, both our air and sea carriers um, to stimulate, you know, good traffic coming in and out of the market uh, is going to be critically important. And, you know, we've got a terrific track record in that space. We're very, very fortunate with our wonderful ships to the northwest of the island and and also, um, you know, we've been really well serviced from an aviation perspective across the island as well. So I think that that is a, a critical focus. And the other thing which, you know, might not be as sexy and, and maybe is a little bit boring is really understanding the health of the source markets that we're trying to attract. So yeah. in real terms, as, as we're all acutely aware, you know, a significant proportion of our capacity and visitation comes from New South Wales and Victoria. And in many respects, you know, we're very fortunate that some 85% of the total visitations to the island is from those interstate markets. But the health of those markets as we continue to journey through this current situation will be really, really important to our success. So keeping an eye to those is really important. And one thing that I'm really interested in, and I'd, I'd really encourage um, individuals out there to think about, 
is not just understanding from a macro perspective what those markets are doing. So, you know, how they've opened up and how customers or or tourists and travellers are starting to move in those markets. But really important is what is the changing nature of their needs? There's no doubt that that COVID-19 and the situation that we've experienced will, will reshape and change travel expectations. And some of those will be really basic mandatory expectations around you know, hygiene and the like, but some will be more emotional and, and deeper um, expectations that will have changed. And I think it is really important as an operator that you seek to understand that. There's some awesome data um, floating around and, and some really good market research that allows us to get a good understanding of, of how people's expectations and aspirations or, or needs have and will continue to change. Mm. And, you know, basic consumer marketing 101 is understand those customer needs have a think about your product how do you cater to it what do you need to change or adjust accordingly and then communicate accordingly so i think really really important is do your homework Hmm. look to the markets understand a are they moving if they're moving how are they moving and what are they looking for and then from there you should be able to make some really good assessment around how you're going to fit within that and turn on your consumer marketing and measure it see what happens you'll know pretty quickly if you're hitting the mark if there's a good a good supply of um, visitors coming into Tasmania if you're planning out a marketing strategy now would you be looking towards um, as I think you mentioned, a good summer, um, a strong summer, hope aspirations that the border restrictions will be eased or are we are we looking for a, a slower build-up towards, as you say, 21, 22 perhaps? Look, it's really hard to know and I think we'd all, you know, wish we had crystal balls in front of us at the moment and that's one of the hardest things about this whole situation is that that uncertainty. I think from my perspective, you know, if I was an operator, planning is to really develop up some scenarios. Over the course of the next couple of months, we're going to gain a much better understanding around when and how borders will open. Um, As I said, what those consumer expectations and travel behaviour will look like. And I think what we're going to need to demonstrate as an industry and something we are really really good at is agility and flexibility and and making sure that we can move and adapt accordingly. So as much as I'd love to say that, you know, we're going to have a high season, I I don't think any of us are in a position to be able to say, you know, exactly what it's going to look like. Mm. I think the focus of all of us is is those interstate borders um, and making sure that we can can grow that market demand sustainably over time. I would add, and I said it earlier, is, you know, we're in a really fortunate situation in that we know Australians love and want the Tasmanian tourism product, and we are very well positioned to capitalise on that. There's no doubt with international outbound restrictions that I'm confident that consumers will be looking to travel and we are well placed. So making sure that we're open, uh, that we've got businesses that have been able to weather through this storm, that they can continue operating, We've got a strong brand proposition. We understand our customer out there and we can cater our messages accordingly is we should be highly optimistic around what the future can and, and will look like for Tasmania. On that note, it's a fantastic way to end. It was a, a somewhat getting into a difficult conversation there at one point and um, I just appreciate that we're going to end it on a positive note because you're right. Hopefully in six to 12 months will be uncertainty, but our, our core brand, our core our vision for what we want this industry and state to be as a tourism product going forward seems to just align with you know where you'd hope the world's going to be shifting around value of cleanliness and open spaces and friendly people and great produce and 
everything that we've we're renowned for. Let's hope so. I think um, you know, from my perspective, if I if I try to anticipate the consumer needs and you know, I've done a lot of reading on it and I'm sure most people have. And we all know from our own experiences around how this experience has shaped us all as individuals is I can't see um, you know a better tourism proposition than than Tasmania to really tick tick those boxes for for what consumers will want more than ever. And mid-June when you're free to travel and I know you've got a great shack in a beautiful part of Tassie, but which part of interstate Tasmania destination are you most looking forward to visiting over the winter brunts? Well, I've got two um, two on my list and the first one is um, heading up to, to do the overland track with my family. So, um, yeah, something we've had on the list for a while, but, you know, we, we really want to make sure that we're, we're holidaying at home. Over winter. And the second... Over winter, yeah, we'll, we'll, we we might shape those dates accordingly. Um, and the second is a visit um, to to the absolutely incredible Flinders yeah. Island, uh, another one that that we love and we've wanted to take our children up there. And yeah, we'll be making sure that we do that as as soon as we can. Excellent, Catherine McCann, Deputy Chair of Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania, um, and thank you for joining us. This has been a fantastic conversation with two of our absolute leaders of our organisation and our industry uh, from two very, very different parts of the state, obviously, and wearing two very different hats, but a, a lot of commonality in their messaging, which uh, bodes well about, the again, the leadership and, and positivity underpinning a, a lot of the industry decisions at the moment. Uh, thank you for joining me. My name's Luke Martin. This is Talking Tourism. Remember to tune in to some of our other episodes that we're releasing today. And in two weeks' time, uh, we'll have a fresh new batch as we uh, continue to work through uh, and onto the recovery of the COVID-19 crisis. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. Talking Tourism.